sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome to another episode of the Star Seminar. I'm your co-host, Rabble Rouser, and with me is our first round draft pick, <laughs> Mr. Danny Phantom. Welcome to the NFL, sir. Hey, I would like to know where you had me on your draft board. Oh, <laughs> you, you were uh, you were a great value pick, my friend. We, uh, uh, you were much higher rated than the than the pick we spent on you. That's good to hear. Yeah, I hope I hope I, I, hope I had all the traits, and I, w- I was a high character pick. Um, you were indeed, but I have to. I, have to, I will also confess that um, when we drafted you, we were following the money because, of course, we are. Very concerned about salary cap implications here. <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's uh, yeah. So, how are you doing, Rabs? I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, uh, it's funny that we we get so hyped up leading up to the draft that it's always just kind of a letdown. Even even if they have a good draft, right? But it's just always kind of a letdown when when you wake up on Sunday and there's no more draft. You know, I like I want five more rounds, man. Let's keep doing this, and right. and um. And so it's always it's always tough to trans, transition back into civilian life, so to speak, you know, where not only is there no draft. I mean, there's there's you know, there's, there's the post draft analysis, but there's just not as much football all the time. And 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 that's going to be the case for a while. So that's always a little hard to to move into. But otherwise, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing all right. I mean, I've, I've had some time to kind of think through some some things. I mean, it's yeah. It's really difficult because you you know you put so much work into it, and then you you all these players, and you, you've researched and have a you know have this sense about, and then it's it just comes to such an end, and then it's like it's over, you know that's it, it's over. And now, granted, you'll follow some of these players, and you'll see them on you know other teams, and you'll mm-hmm. still have a vested interest in them because you're like, hey, I I thought he was going to be good, or or something like that. And then of course, when four years from now, when free agency comes in, you know. We, we we know about these players because we we dug into them. So that's that's always a, a nice thing to 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 be like, oh yeah, you know that that still had some value that that all that work I did, you know, four years ago. So, but yeah, it I always have a tough time when with when the draft's over. I mean, I know how people feel with football, the regular season and the playoffs end, and there's a long hiatus. I don't feel like I have the long hiatus because of the draft and the off season. But then when the draft's over. That to me is when my lull starts to kind of hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's weird that if you think about teams, I mean, they're, they're looking, I mean, when they start the year, they start with what 400 potential prospects or something. And they wheel those down to the, like the draftable guys who are usually somewhere in the, you know, hundred, it depends on the team, hundred to 150, sometimes more. And then they end up drafting like six. You know, and it's so weird that they you spend so much time you analyze every single snap of, of of so many players, and then and there's so many guys you like. You probably, I mean, I can imagine a team going into a draft with like 25 or 30 guys they really like, and then they maybe get four of those guys. You know, it's just yeah. it's such a it's such an interesting process where there's so much work put into something where you don't really always end up with a lot, and so I, I think we feel that on one level but man teams must really feel it because obviously they they're putting in a lot more work than we are yeah no for sure and um you know i i don't know how it makes me feel 
you know, to to see them pass up on so many players that I really would have loved for them to, to pick. Mm-hmm. And th- this draft in particular, it was like, it was very weird, this draft in the sense of, like, you kind of knew what they were going to do. At, like, the, the first couple of rounds were not shockers to me at all. And the, even the third round wasn't also, but the, the third one was more of a pleasant, um, you know, when that pick was made, you 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 kind of felt that that was going to be the pick, and then it, you were pleasantly, you know, I wouldn't say surprised, but like just you know, glad that it happened. Whereas the other two for me were kind of not on the pleasant side. But you know what? It's what do I know? It's super early, and there's a lot of time that needs to pass before we can really um, wrap our minds around whether or not the Cowboys did a good job or they did not. That's right. I think we're going to dive into uh, precisely that. Did they do a good job? Did they not? We're going to talk a little bit about more about these prospects. But first, there's some things in the news. So what do we got? What, what's, what's been going on new, uh, You know, that's newsworthy about the Cowboys? Well, what's been going on in the news? Haven't you been listening? I mean, are you team Johnny Depp or are you team Amber Heard? Oh, man. I think in, in, in a situation like that, I'm team I don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just the whole thing, the whole thing seems... Um, it just seems kind of ugly, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like, have you seen pictures of Johnny Depp when he was like on 21 jump street, when he first came up, he was so sweet and so cute. And he just looks like such a dissipated pirate now. I mean, I know he's been, he's played a pirate, but like, it's like clearly his chain smoking and drug addiction and all the other things have just, they've taken a toll, man. He looks, he looks rugged. And, um, and it, you know, like, so, you, you know, I've seen, photos of him you know going in and out of the courtroom and stuff like that and he and I mean, it sounds like he's playing the audience there pretty well but it just he looks beat man he's he's aged a lot yeah, yeah he's it's tough to see i uh i i will say i'm not not paying attention either but i did watch like a little of that he's like answering a question and what's really odd to me and i don't know this you know how true this is but when you see an actor and they're like you know sitting there up up there on the stand uh, it, can you really even believe them? I mean, because they're actors, and it's just it's just very odd. It's like I'm not sure if really what you're saying is true, or if you're really just kind of you know doing your acting thing. So I always so that was kind of like weird to see. But honestly, I don't I, I don't know what's going on with that whole mess. But I will I do want to ask you this before we actually get on to football topics. What is your favorite Johnny Depp movie? Oh man, that's a great question. I, can I say two? You can say two, even though I ask uh, you for a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two that really stand out to me that I think are great, great movies. And if, so I'll give you the first one uh, because, and both of them actually are great movies because the guy who he plays again, uh, you know, alongside, gives what I think to be one of, if not the best, performance of their of their career. So the first one is what's eating Gilbert. Great. And I think John mm-hmm. Depp is perfectly fine in that he's good. It's a really interesting movie, but a young Leonardo DiCaprio is absolutely brilliant in that. I don't know if you've seen that movie. He plays like a, have, a, yes. a, a sort of developmentally disabled kid. And yeah. he's incredible for, for an actor of that age to, to be able to deliver a performance. It's so spot on, so knowing, so mature it was really incredible. And then the other is actually, um, the other age of uh, the other end of the age spectrum, which is John, uh, Donnie Brasco, in which I think Al Pacino gives his best and most vulnerable performance since 
like when he first started out when he like was in Serpico. You know, a lot of a lot of these actors become kind of caricatures of themselves where he's always he's always sort of playing Al Pacino playing something. And uh, and Donnie Brasco, I think he just sort of took that down and was he was just kind of a, a schlub and he was he was brilliant and like the the scene where he they call him and he knows he's gonna get whacked and he kind of just puts everything away really neatly. Hey, no spoilers. It's it's so simple and it's just beautifully beautifully executed it's so beautiful and so john johnny depp does a really great job in both those movies um but i think the film works because not only because johnny depp's good but because those other performances are transcendent yeah no those are great choices how about about you how about you do you have a favorite uh yeah so i mean i'm not a big johnny depp fan uh, i will say and I, i i will admit that i don't get involved into the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, honestly, I to love your, to your credit to to Michael. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm not like Michael Bolton to where I like really love those movies. Um, mm-hmm. But I one movie I did enjoy with Johnny Depp uh, back in I think probably early '90s. It's uh, it was uh, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, and, yeah, it's a great movie. And I I loved I I was kind of you know Tim Burton movies were interesting to me and I would have. I liked everything, you know, anything he did back then. And, uh, and yeah, I just thought, I mean, Depp didn't have to do much in the movie. So he, he didn't like, he didn't have to, you know, give this great performance. Cause he kind of just stood there with this like, you know, look on his face. But that was pretty much the whole, the whole, um, thing, all that he had to do with that movie. But, uh, I just liked the story. It was, it was dark and it was, it, you know, it was funny and it was just, it was just entertaining to me. So, I would say Scissorhands is probably my favorite Depp movie. I, but Gilbert Grape a worthy is, choice. is a, a worthy good choice. movie. And yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, right away we knew Leo was, was pretty special. Even on Growing Pains, Leo was kind of, you know, he, he just stood out above everybody. And, uh, and look at that guy now. Yes, indeed. So anyway, let's move on to some actual Cowboys news. Uh, as much as we love talking about Johnny Depp, um, we learned that the Cowboys will not be playing in any international games this season. Might remember, I think they've last played in 2014. And um, but who will be playing? They have three games in London: the Vikings and Saints. We play in the Giants and Packers. We play in, and then the Broncos and the Jaguars will be playing. The Jaguars are like basically the the home team uh, adopted home team over there and and everybody mm-hmm. expected that the Jaguars to play the Cowboys because they are on our schedule this year um so that was kind of a surprise the other game is Seattle and Tampa Bay that's in Munich and then Mexico City will be the 49ers and Cardinals but about the Cowboys Jaguars Rabs do you have a little story about that well, as a matter of fact, I do. I actually went and watched the Cowboys and the Jaguars uh, when they played in London in 2014. Went to the um, the you know the sort of get together with the Dallas.com guys beforehand. Met up with our good friend OCC in London for dinner. Um, you know, and, and um, you know had had just my wife and I were um, you know just kind of in, in London for several days. I think we actually I think we actually went to celebrate my birthday, which is in November. The game was in early November. My my birthday's later in November. I'll tell you one thing that was really crazy and great about being at that game, which was there were fr- fans from all over Europe, 
all over Europe and they were wearing jerseys of every team. And so it was one of those things where I think at that time there was only one or maybe two international games per year. And so this was something where everybody, I mean, it was like the Beatles were in town or something and people didn't even, I mean, it didn't matter that it was those two teams. It was the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so there were Eagles fans and Buccaneers fans and, Steelers fans and you know fans of obscure teams it was it was it was really incredible and everybody was there and everybody was just so happy like when you go to a game let's say let's say let's say uh you know I'm a cowboy fan and I go because I, I do this every year like I'll, I'll take the train down to DC and watch them play the Washington team right and you go there and there's always a little tension there between cowboy fans and Washington fans Commodore fans now um and because it's pretty much fans of those two teams and there, and there's a, there's a kind of tension about the game. And, you know, if it's a close game where the teams are both good, sometimes there's fights and those kind of things. There's always a little bit of that. There was none of this when we went to, to London because everybody was just so happy. People were like hugging each other and they, and they didn't have the same sense of rival rivalry. Like there'd be like an Eagles fan sitting right next to each other, having a perfectly good time. So it was just, a, it was just such a great atmosphere, you know, and everybody was just like, high because they were so happy that the nfl was in town so um and the cowboys won and des bryant went off and it's you know it was in the middle of that great great run they were having in 2014 so pretty much all the planets aligned it was pretty awesome yeah you know that sounds pretty cool you know i don't really think about that have like a the camaraderie amongst other fans you know and, and rival fans and stuff but you know at the same time they may not be so invested in into that specific team whereas just more just nfl and you know, as a whole. So that's a, that's an interesting, you know, environment. Um, I would be kind of cool to, to go and be, uh, and have a cordial, you know, sit with other fans and, and yeah. not be like, uh, you know, have such different interest and, uh, you know, and, and wishes and hopes through that. But, um, but we will not be subjected to a, a game like that this year. And, um, do you find that surprising? I mean, did, did you actually think that they would they might play overseas? Uh, well, I mean, the Jags were on the schedule, so I sort of did. I mean, I figured it's like, oh, here we go again. I don't know why in my mind I'm thinking in every, every eight years we're going to play the Jags in London. That's just, you know, what? I mean, but think, but think about that. The Jaguars already lost the revenue in, in 2014 from the Cowboys, which is the, which is going to be their most important home game in, in years. Mm, you know what I mean? Like yes. they, they're not going to do, they're not going to do that again. The Cowboys are such a draw. Most teams are going to, are going to um, like, cause the so teams can petition the schedule makers for certain specific criteria, certain restrictions on the schedule. Right. And, Almost every team is like, oh no 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 no, we're not going abroad when the Cowboys come to town. We'll, we'll go to we'll go abroad when some team that um, isn't going to draw very well is coming to town, or like a team that's not a division rival, or a team that you know like. But it's going to be very rare that the Cowboys play overseas because the teams um, that, especially like a team like the Jaguars, who's an AFC team that hosts them only once every like eight years, they're not going to miss out on that revenue. So that's a once a decade type of thing. And so I, I, I was surprised in the slightest. I think that um, it's going to be very, very rare that the Cowboys play overseas because every single NFL team is going to make it an exception for the Cowboys to, to stay here and remain on their, on their home schedule. That is an excellent point, Rabs. You know, that is, that is why you're on the show. Is, you know, that, <laughs> That's that, why I have a PhD in footballology, everybody. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And it explains why we haven't seen them in forever too. It's like you're the, 
nobody wants to give up that game. And uh, no, of course. Yeah, no, excellent point. Um, it doesn't break my heart. I'm not. It doesn't mean anything to you know. To, it, it means I got to get up earlier, and uh, so I I personally don't have any. I don't care in the world whether they're playing over there or not. It's certainly not something for me, but it's always good for fans, you know, over there to yeah. be able to see the Cowboys. And but it won't happen this year. And now I'm actually starting to think that maybe we it won't happen, you know, for a while because teams will be like you said, you know, standing up on the table and like no, you know, this we do not want to give up that game. Give us, give us the Browns. Give us the Lions. You know, give. Exactly. I, I think it'll happen again if some team is like, like the Jaguars were in 2014 is really struggling financially, need, needs a little like little support from the, the league and the league says, you know, or, or something like I think there was probably some deal making that went into that where the, the Jags were really a struggling franchise and, and they got, you know, they, they there was some other concession they got from the league. Yeah. Um, so another thing that's in the news is, um, you know, Stephen Jones had an opportunity to uh, opine on the Cowboys' approach to free agency. And, oh, uh, lovely! That's been sort of going back a little bit, uh, back and forth a little bit on the, on the Twitterverse. Um, you know, it, it, for for those of us who have been following the Cowboys really closely, it's probably nothing too surprising. It basically amounted to a, another expression of "we like our guys." Did, did you see what he said? And if so, did you have any thoughts about? Um, his declaration of free agency and intent. Yeah, no, yeah, I read what he said, and I, and you know, it's just the same old what I would expect from Stephen Jones. Um, I, in fact, I really want to get a T-shirt made up that says "We like our guys" because <laughs> I mean, yes, and I mean, but this is one of the the few things that I strongly agree with Stephen Jones about is their approach to free agency. And, and I'm sure we all would could agree that we'd like to see them do more in free agency. But me personally, I would not like to see them do much more. And I really like the, their approach. I mean, he his comments today, I think he was said that he sees free agency as you know an inflated situation. He, he knows that it's just... It's not good business if you do if you do the look at the numbers, look at the stats. You're the, the you don't get good value for your free agent purchases. And the Cowboys themselves they take a different approach and they like you know build through the draft. So I once I under, got a good understanding of how it's really difficult to um, hack free agency and and come out on on top. And certainly teams do here and there and. Um, but overall, most teams don't. It's a lost cause, and the fact that the Cowboys aren't participating in that. Not only are they not participating, in it, the, the Cowboys when they do, they're just not good at it. So I mean, I don't, I don't want them to do something they're not good at too. I mean, so that that adds to to my feeling of strongly believing with Stephen Jones and and how he sees that. What about you? Do you see it any different? What's your feeling? No, I, I think I'm in. I think I'm in alignment. I, I mean, I think that people who want the Cowboys to do more in free agency are forgetting what it used to look like when they did more in free agency, right? So, right, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's been a while. It's been almost a decade. Uh, but uh, ten years ago, about now, they signed Brandon Carr to a gigantic contract, and right. you know, uh, um, and and the pri- in the several years before that, there was a there were a bunch of free agent signings, and very few of them paid off i think 
you know, there's a couple things about free agency, right? One, one is you pay a premium, you you pay elite money for good players, you pay good player money for for, for mediocre players, et cetera. You're always overpaying, right? Uh, than you would mm-hmm. in a market where people weren't competing. That's a. B, you're 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 paying for players who whose original teams did not want them, and now that most teams know how to manage the cap, it's almost unheard of that a team has to let go of a player because they can't afford them anymore it's always because they don't like him so we've been thinking about this with amari cooper lately right so the the team has been oh we can't we can't afford to keep amari cooper bull pucky of course Mm -hmm. they can afford to keep amari cooper they could have done it easily they got rid of amari cooper because they didn't like him they didn't like his attitude in the locker room they didn't like the fact that he wasn't a dog they didn't like the fact that he wouldn't practice when he was you know injured there was a bunch of things they didn't like about him they they felt was hurting team chemistry that's why they got rid of him if they they if they wanted to keep him if he was a dog and, and played through injury and was a little bit tougher you, i guarantee you they would have found a way to, to to pay for him so um so i think that given that the 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 guys that end up on the free agent market are on the free agent market because their team who invested in them, who invested time and resources, et cetera, who brought them into that culture doesn't feel that they're worth it. Right. Yeah. And so, so you're taking a gamble. I mean, you're, I mean, it's possible that their culture is, is a certain way and your culture is another way. And then it might be a better fit in your culture. But I think, you know, the teams that are active in free agency are talking themselves into the sort of typical coaching fallacy. Well, it didn't work with them, but we can coach this guy up. No, no, nobody can coach this guy up. This guy's uncoachable, you know, or, 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 oh, this guy will stay healthy now. No, no, he's, he's, he's got a history of injuries. He's going to stay injured most of his, most of his, his career. Or the other thing that, that kills me about the cowboy Twitter, Twitterverse um, approach to free agency is, oh, that guy's a great player. Well, this, uh, this happened recently with Bobby Wagner, right? Bobby Wagner would, he's an all pro. Well, he was an all-pro four years ago. I mean, he's still a very good player, but, like, you're not going to get circa 2012 Bobby Wagner. You're not even going to get circa 2018 Bobby Wagner now, right? You're going to get a guy who's who's been in a high-impact position for a long, long time who's, um, who's you know, historically is at a position where, where, that, doesn't, <laughs> that, that doesn't stay level, that, that, that declines pretty steadily, right? And so... I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Oh, the you know the salary caps are a mess. It just they just don't want they just they're just cheap. They don't want to invest in these guys. Well, they don't want to invest in a broken down car. Is what they don't want to invest in. And and so I I have no problem with that. You know, like years ago when they were when they were investing in free agency all the time and and getting guys like Marco Rivera, who then immediately got injured because he was broken down already when they when they brought him in, got injured in the weight room and never played it down for them. And they paid him oodles of money. Um, you know, we were all gnashing our teeth about that. And, and about that same time, there were some studies done like the, um, the, the 49ers, uh, I think it was the Harbaugh 49ers, about, about that time did a study. And they were like, if we paid like whatever the kind of going rate across the league for, for a, 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 a seasoned veteran at every position, that would so far exceed our salary cap. We can't. Like, it just can't be done. So you have to, you have to draft well and get young talent. And so I feel like the salary cap is an elastic thing I'm, I'm totally i totally understand that but it is also the money is real like there is real money there it's not like the money's made up it's that you can you can mortgage the future and play with that but um 
at some point that's going to come to haunt you. And it, it, you know, it did, it did haunt them in the Romo years when that, when that was the most heavily leveraged contract in the NFL. And there were things that they just couldn't do in free agency as a result of it. And Stephen Jones has lived through both those eras. And so whether, whether that's a, an overly conservative overcompensation is a, I think a very debatable point, but the, but the bottom line is he's reacting to that because he saw how much that cost them. Mm-hmm. And it did cost them. And people, people forget that. They see the Rams doing this and they think, oh, that's the way to do it. I, you know, I, I want to spend a bunch of money on guys I've heard of. I've heard of. And, um, and the fact that the Rams did it is sort of happenstance. There's many, many teams that do that every year who finish below 500, right? The Rams didn't win because they did that. They, did, they win because they have some great players that they've drafted. They, 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 you know, they, they hit on some good supplemental guys like that. Um, and, and they got lucky, right? Yeah. Every team who goes to the, everybody, every team who goes to the show and, and, and gets a Lombardi um, does so because they have a lucky run. The Rams got a lucky run. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is the way to, to get there. Cause we've seen other teams get there doing, doing it other ways. I do think that you make some, I mean, you, you really nailed it with, um, with I mean, the, the the thing that a lot of people do forget is that the Cowboys were were in really bad shape during like when right before I would say probably the eight and eight years really when they were trying to recover from you know they were always in a hole with dead money and it was really hard to I mean we saw some of the rosters they put together there was some of the like the defensive players that they put together one year and during those those seasons was just yeah. atrocious and. I think people they they forget about that first off they forget forget when things were bad and they also forget that the Cowboys actually have been able to put together a competitive roster basically for the better part of the last decade. I mean, barring like when their quarterback goes out for an extensive amount of time, Cowboys are always in it. They're 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 they have a competitive roster, so nobody seems to care about that because they're looking at the. They want. They're looking at the results, so strictly the results, and they'll they'll point to the Cowboys' approach in free agency and say, "Well, okay, they're they're very cheap, but look what it's gotten them." And then they'll base their opinion on that. Where I will look at that and say, "Well, it's actually made them competitive over the last, better part of a decade." Uh, so I see that as a as a positive thing. Versus people will look at that, and you're right. You point to the Rams, but then look at what. Remember the Giants and the year they would just like. Yeah, and I remember the Redskins for years and years and years. They did that every year, you know, and, and it never paid off. Yeah, and, 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 pe- and usually backfired. And yeah, and I remember, I can remember vividly people praising the Giants for making those moves that they were taking, and they were and criticizing Dallas at the same time. And and then look what 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 have the Giants done? Are they like four straight losing seasons? They're just and not just losing, but like abysmally bad, like yeah. six wins or fewer. And mm-hmm. and I think you could say, you know, that that's partially because Gettleman was a very poor um you know evaluator of talent and very very poor at evaluating priority positions. But it's also because that free agency um largesse got them got them uh, in in a bit of a in a bit of a bind. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I honestly, you know, don't have a problem with it. Don't care about their, their approach in free agency. To me, I more care about who they choose in the draft. And, um, and we got a nice little glimpse of the players they like, you know, thanks to 
Thanks to some familiar people of ours. Uh, so why don't you, since you participated in this, why don't you uh, talk a little about about the little um, draft sheet reveal that happened on uh, Tuesday? Yeah, so this is actually the fourth time since 2010 that something like this has happened, right? So just a quick, a quick no, trace through the history. No, not four times. Yes, sir, four times. You're making that up. Uh, no, in 2010, there was a, uh, a video of, G- of the inside of the war room and um, some enterprising uh, BT beers actually uh, froze the video uh, where J- Jerry's standing in front of the board and um, were able to, using software and, and just sort of like, you know, groupthink, were able to piece together the 2010 draft. In 2013, uh, somebody began to post uh, fan posts about, uh, the Cowboys draft at BTB. And I, and my, my theory is that, that somebody from the team did this because they kept posting and giving and giving a little bit more information. I think they did this on BTB precisely because it was the draft nerds at BTB in 2010 who had figured it out. And they knew that like, if they gave that to Calvin Watkins or, or, you know, Clarence Hill or some other media person that, or even, you know, Todd Archer, that person's not going to, you know, spend hours deciphering it. And to, to publish it, they, they, they knew that the BTB folks would be like, oh, this is this is manna. Let, let's figure this out. So um, so we then figured that out and posted, I think, the first five or six rounds of, of, of their board. So that was the most extensive one. And then there was another one where an intern, I can't remember the year exactly. It was like 17 or 18 where an intern after the draft posted. Uh, a picture of the room saying, oh, the draft is all over now and put on social media. And of course, then the, the BTBers again were like, oh, let's zoom in on this and got a lot of the information about their draft. And then now, now this one where we got the first um, 35 or 40 players. And so the Cowboys continue to play fast and loose and, and not really worry. I mean, I think that they're willing to have you know, uh, wine reps in the, in the draft room. And they're willing to have like, you know, car dealership uh, CEOs in the draft room, all their sponsor people, they, they would, people from Ford are, are in the draft room. There's all those kinds of people in there and they're, and they're just not that concerned, at least not the Joneses are that concerned with secrecy, which I think must really irk people like Mike McCarthy and, and Will McClay, who I think are probably um, concerned with secrecy. But speaking of this board this year, were, were there any, surprises from it or any, any any sort of interesting takeaways from the guys that we were able to figure out where their first i think there's 35 players that we ended up being able to target yeah i think uh i, I feel like machota uh did the did a, a more extensive list i know that the ones that um occ uh posted yesterday only featured 16 uh mm-hmm. players so and uh, up to uh Tyler Smith, who was at 16, um, mm-hmm. which is what I think people doubted Jerry when during the press conference, when this sheet was revealed, people were like, Jerry was trying to, you know, ease everyone. Hey guys, they all, he was 16th on our board. And, and, you know, and I don't, I don't, if, I don't think he felt like people were buying that because, you know, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't buy it. I mean, personally, I just, that's right. incredibly high for, for him, but Jerry doesn't want to look silly, so what does he do? <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, well look, you can see right here," and he, you know, in true Jerry form, just sticks it out there. And uh, and I think that Jerry is so concerned about 
being right or showing people how smart he is more than he is about the consequences of that. And yep, absolutely. It's to me that just that's what really is annoying. In this case, there wasn't like you know he showed anything that had like some of our day two picks on there that end up like getting taken in front. You know, so it's like there's no harm, no foul, but you get a sense, you know, a sense of what where the Cowboys' minds were. And for us, that's fantastic because we love that. I remember it was, it was early in my BTB career when the present of the 2016 selfie was presented to, I remember the, the message and like, Hey guys, look what we got here. And then everything was all done behind the, you know, behind the scenes before it was like presented. And, you know, OCC was, you know, the mastermind again, behind you know, cracking the case. Uh, but, that, and that, that was pretty fun to even, you know, like, this is, mm-hmm. this is fantastic. I bet. But I, I also felt dirty too. Like this, you know, this is my own team. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like a part of this, but, but at the same time, it's just, you know, it's information that I know Cowboys junkies like myself would just love to love to have. And, it, and I, I, I tell you what, I referenced that leaked board, like probably 25 to 30 times a year when I like hear about a player, I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if the Cowboys were interested in him back in 2016. I'll just go and say, yep, mm-hmm. he's 45. They like, you know, and so, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. But anyway, to answer your question, I mean, were there surprises other than where they had Tyler Smith? Also, I was surprised by the Georgia safety, uh, Lewis scene. He, to me, uh-huh. that, that was way early. And he was also available, too. And according to their board, he was higher. So they did not follow their board there, which I'm actually glad. But I'll, I'll just take my chances with Tyler Smith over over um, this Georgia safety. But the biggest surprise to me is if the Cowboys got, you know, if they know their stuff and they're right about their evaluation of this class, that's not going to be good news for us because their top two players just so happen to be the the top two picks of the New York Giants. And, yeah, and they got play. Yeah, that's right. They got two good top guys on their board. Two top yeah. guys. So that's, um, I mean, so that's a thing. Um, I outside of that, no, just I mean, they're. Not not a whole lot. So what about you? Anything from that board that you're shocked about? No, I wouldn't say anything particularly shocking. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of up in arms about the fact that they didn't go best player available because, you know, as you said, Tyler Smith was 16 and Lewis Seen was, I think, four, uh, 13. But, you know, and, and also Seen was a first rounder, quote unquote, and, and Smith was a, a second rounder, quote unquote. I, I, I think that that's, I mean, there are distinctions, right? Like there's there's expectations about the guy's career that makes someone a first rounder versus a second rounder. And so I, I think that what that means is that they that they think that there are probably there's probably a lower floor on uh, for Smith for them. Right. But I, but um, so that, that might that might, you know, mean he's not going to be as successful in his career. But the fact that he could potentially play offensive tackle. And I think that they're drafting him to potentially be the tackle of the future is probably both a, why he was higher ranked than both um, Kenyon green and, and Zion Johnson, because I think they might see them both as guard. I've even heard some speculation that they might've thought that Zion Johnson's best position was center. And that, so when they talked about Tyler Linderbaum being not being their best, the highest rated center on their, on their draft board, they might, it might've been because Zion Johnson was at any rate. Um, 
the, all that begins to make sense why Tyler Smith was rated where he is and why they chose him because you always choose a money five player, uh, especially at a position of need over a player who plays like, you know, the defensive middle or something because those players or running back or something like that, because those players tend to be uh, tight end, much lower, much lower uh, value and much lower impact. So I, 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 I nothing, nothing particularly surprising. I was a pleasant surprise to see them rate Tyler Smith so high. I think that, the, I think that they feel like, and they, their draft board, and we can talk about this more in just a minute when we talk about some of the uh, individual players, but I, I'm wondering if, if when they were crafting their board, if, what they were doing was putting a premium in, in terms of their evaluations and the, the sort of, you know, rankings for their players on tools and athletic talent, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, it's a toolsy draft. It's a, it's a really, it's a bunch of guys with upside, but part of me wonders if, if, if this isn't actually a league wide trend where, where league wide people are realizing, you know, the guys who become superstars are the ones who have a bucket full of tools and we just coach them up. And as opposed to the guys who are sort of already, you know, have really good technique, whose ceilings are, are, are limited. Like I think teams are, are, are more interested in going for guys with high ceilings. And that's exactly what they did. And I, and I think that um, that may be also why Tyler Smith was rated as high as he was, because it might be that if they were valuing high ceilings, that he, he fits in that, into that category. I think his ceiling is very high. Because if you really think about it, like the things that he needs to work on are, are technique things that are, that are teachable. And if they can be taught, whew, sky's the limit for that cat. Yeah, yeah. And before we get into start talking about these individual picks, I, I did have something I wanted to ask you about that's it's kind of irking me a little bit. And I don't know if, if it should. Maybe I'm just thinking about this wrong. But I just kind of feel like, you know, we talked with this, you know, Jerry Flash on this board and, and um, leaking information. and. I like when Tyler Smith was drafted, like uh, probably 30 minutes before it happened. And if anybody listened to us on the live stream, they, they, they knew we were just like, we were, we were dreading. We knew it was happening. We already started just going into the dread mode. And, um, and then sure enough, that's what happened, you know, and then kind of in the, in the same thing when, when Sam Williams was picked or D Williams, um, uh, you know, no surprise. I mean, cause you know, we, we know that the Cowboys liked him. We were expecting, I guess a lot of us were hoping that he might last around later and, and get, be able to get value on that. But, but no, the Cowboys, they, they got him, you know, they, they, they wanted their guy, they got him. No, but no big surprise there. And it just, you know, it, it reminds me of like the Tristan Hill and the Leighton Vanderesh where you, we start hearing about it and that's ends up the Cowboys select him. I mean, it, it just makes me, if, how is this information getting leaked? And also, that can't be a good strategy, Rabs. I mean, to if, if like these are guys they highly covet, and you don't want anybody to jump out in front of you, then why is that information out there? Why do we know that this, that's that's who they're picking? Well, I think one of the reasons why we know that's who they're picking is because we follow the team so closely. I like I I, I guess I whenever I hear this and, and everyone's like, oh my god, the Cowboys are leaking information. Why doesn't anybody else do this? Like you know, we heard this a lot when they um, when they could only get a fifth rounder for right, Amari right. Cooper, right? And I think the answer is, well, first of all, every team leaks information. Just about. I mean, there may be some teams that are like super paranoid and have like an FBI level. Uh, 
sense of security, but like, you know, there, there are all kinds of people on, on teams who want to be seen as smart people who are in the know, just like you were saying about Jerry, right? Jerry wants, Jerry broadcasts that stuff because he wants the media to, to think that he knows what the heck's going on. And, you know, and, and all he's doing is parroting stuff he's hearing in, in coaching and, um, and scout meetings. So to go back to your point, I think that if we followed a different team carefully, we might be thinking the same thing about that team. Right. So I think that there, there, and the other thing is this, people are always worried about secrets in the NFL. And I think the thing that there are things that are secretive, but if you really think about it, the things that are most secretive are probably things like game plans, strategies, things like that, that are game day. Right. Because if, if, if you, um, if you like you sort of let the other team know like what you kind of want to do or, or, you know, like some sort of formation that you're going to be introducing or some personnel package, then they can plan for that. And, and that gives them a real advantage. I think that teams pretty much go into drafts knowing what every other team likes. There's, I think there are very few, very few times when teams are surprised. I think the media is often surprised. So what that means is like the team didn't, re- didn't you know, broadcast it to their, to their media partners, but like scouts are at, all right, all these pro days together, they're at the combine together. They're, you know, they're together on the road all the time. The one person that they see all day in and day out, who, who, who is actually their sort of professional colleague is not the, it's not the guy from their own team. It's the, it's the, it's the area scout who has that same area from the other teams. You know, those are the, those are their colleagues. And so, and the, and scouts love to tell stories. They love to get together and drink lips are loose they all know what each other thinks about stuff and then they go back to their teams and they they say hey you know so-and-so from dallas really likes this uh sam williams this d williams kid um i i I just can't imagine that that's like this is not privileged information that's getting out i think i think we just have that perspective because we are so invested and so kind of tunnel um have such tunnel vision about the cowboys that we don't see that other teams are experiencing the same thing or even do, you know, adopting the same strategy. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. And you're right. That's I'm sure there's a lot more people that are privy to that. And it's, it maybe just, it just looks that way maybe. And you're right. We, we do follow them closely. But you know, you, when you hear things about like, well, another team was trying to trade it, you know, they wanted Tyler Smith, you know, cause they knew Dallas was, it's like, well, why did they know that? Why did they, I mean, and I just feel like they could do a better. But they, but they know that about other teams too. I I would argue they know that about other teams. I mean, look, like, like, look. If you, if you want to make sure, if you want to set it up so that other teams don't know that you like a guy, that means you can't go to his pro day. Yeah. Right. That means you can't like you can't take notes during his workout. That means you have to like look disinterested during the combine. I mean, you know, there's so much you can. It means you have to like just kind of like, you know, go on go on uh, Twitter during the during the senior bowl, instead of watching the prospects. I mean, there's so many opportunities for teams to show their level of interest in a player that other teams are going to take notice. Yeah. Nope. Good points. I, I'm totally makes sense. And I'm glad I asked you the question because I knew you would. And, help. and here's the other thing. A- agents, agents are a huge conduit for information. Like agents want other teams to know how many, how many teams are interested, interested in their guy. Because that'll drive up the price. So if I'm an agent, just let's imagine this: you're 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 my my um, client, and I'm an agent. I want to tell the teams who are reaching out about about you. 
um, or I want to just reach out on my own to let them know that 11 or 12 teams are interested. Because if I just, if I, if I'm, if I participate in keeping it secret, that means other teams are going to be like, Oh, well, no one really wants this player. We can wait on it. My job is to get you drafted as high as possible. Mm -hmm. So the way I do that is to create demand. And I may be creating a little more demand than, than, than really exists, but like I, I'm gonna, every single, every single team that's talked to you, every single team that like showed some attention during your workout, I'm asking you who, who, who worked you out? What did they say? What's going on? And then I'm telling teams, these five teams, these 11 teams, whatever are really interested in my client. Cause I want you to go in the second round, even though you're a fourth round player. Now that, that, you know, that's a good point. That's I, there are no secrets. There are no secrets in the NFL. Yeah, well, it's the agent's fault. That's what blame. <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it's it's agents and scouts. Like every time, and every time it's a surprise. It just, it's just because media is hasn't really been paying attention. And and I think the better the media gets at this, the fewer times there's there's like a surprise where people are like, "What? No way!" You know, like a lot of times, a lot of times when there's late quote unquote late movers, what that really just means is the media. And you you probably know this, and and lots of people like it gets talked about a lot lately. What that really means is the media is just catching up to where the guy's always been. It's not that teams are suddenly changing their, their, their grades on guys. It's that teams always had a guy that highly rated. The media didn't, and the media is finally getting a little bit of information. Right. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, so this is where he really is. Yeah. Not, not, the, not the teams that haven't moved him. The teams always had him there. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's a good point. Um, so, you know, bef before we leave, let's just real quickly – let us let's run through each pick and uh, let's go. Let's do a best case, worst case of what we think is going to okay. happen. All right. So so let's let's start with the start at the top. Uh, Tyler Smith, best case, worst case. Well, I can tell you what I think about his worst case, and I think that could be a, a bust. Like I, I can envision a, a Tristan Hill type thing where you know he needs development. And, uh, you know, I don't. He starts out. They work him in the guard things aren't working he's picking up penalties left and right next thing you know he's just trying you know they're year two they're trying to get him in when they can just he's just not ready and then it ends up being just kind of like a you know three years have gone by and he's played hardly a dozen games and and then he that's it there's no there's no second contract so that to me just just a bust is what i put him for his his worst case best case scenario why don't you handle the best case I think best case scenario is that as he moves, he transitions to tackle and plays at a, an, a borderline all pro level. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, you know, I would be, I, I do. I do think that his ceiling, excuse me, his floor is higher than Tristan Hills because remember Tristan Hill came in with like his coaches had given up on him. He had, he had you know, set, he, like people who worked closely with him had soured on him. I don't, I don't think there's anybody at, at Tulsa who speaks poorly of, of, um, of Smith. I, I think that he's pretty beloved and he, I think he's a hard worker. He's a smart guy. Um, that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that what you're, what you're saying uh, can't happen. I think it can, but I think if it does happen, I think that um, it's probably because like injuries contribute to it. And, and he, he always sort of has the nagging, there's always a bunch of nagging stuff that prevents him from ever developing. Yeah. And, and believe me, he needs to develop. So like he needs time. So I think if, if, if if he never realizes his potential, it's because he doesn't get that time. Yeah, and I know the Cowboys feel like they're, I mean, they're, they're feel for him, you know, like, and, you know, Will McClay even said, you know, they expect to contribute right away, which is what you hope for in your first-round pick. You know, they feel like moving him into more confined space in the guard spot will 
allow him to to do the things that he can do right now well and so yeah i mean i know that, i mean my worst case was was worst case it's uh no, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. That, that, that would be the worst case. <laughs> That'd be awful. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess I just I just feel like he's still raw enough to where it could be a problem. And then, you know what? I can't remember who said who said it, which cowboy coach said it, or in front, maybe it wasn't even his phrase to coin. But, you know, uh, you know, uh, a dollar in potential will get you a cup of coffee. And, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, so until until we can actually – see you know benefits of that potential then you, you you don't you don't know what you got but so moving on That's totally fair moving on to uh to d williams what uh what do you think about that guy what do you want to start with uh i'll start i'll start with uh i'll, I'll go ahead and start with worst case scenario i think worst case scenario he uh can he remains a liability against the run his whole career and his um and the fact that he's uh, he's explosive but not bendy, and so the fact that he's bendy means that his um, he doesn't threaten people around the corner, and so uh, offensive tackles learn that if they if they can sort of take that uh, take a strong sort of first step, that they can they can kind of control him, and he ends up becoming one of those guys who's um, you know super athletic, but you know he gets a cleanup sack every once in a while, but doesn't have um, doesn't have that that kind of like preternatural bendiness that that makes them really hard to to stop around the edge, and uh, you know he 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 becomes a, a rotation guy, but nothing really more. Yeah, you know that that's fair. I I think you know from an upside, I could see him as kind of like a Demarcus Lawrence. Just uh, you know, I I agree with you with some of the traits that. That uh, I I I don't know that I could could say even best case scenario that he could just turn into be this this the league's premier pass rusher because I, I don't believe that but I do think that he could be a very effective pass rusher and be really good at it and uh, I can see him and Micah you know handling the edges and that and you know that being a dominant force uh, you know on the outside yeah. uh, he's you know he does got a lot of great traits and a relentless motor and you know that. He, he he could be, and I say to Marcus Lawrence in the sense of a guy that may not just light you up and statistically, but he's just making plays for you, and uh, and to me that's that's outstanding. And I value, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence to me is, you know, an elite player. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling is is high, and and that could happen. I'm certainly crossing my fingers that that is what we see. So yeah, I, I will say one thing: uh, uh, he's much more athletic than Demarcus Lawrence ever was. Yeah, there. I mean, does he does have some really good athletic traits? He's got he's got some he's got some stuff that you just can't teach. Um, but before before we get to Meyer, and that how about how about the third round pick? I the wide receiver. What do you think of? Uh, um, so Jalen Tolbert, I think so. Jalen Tolbert, thank you. Yes, you, you want to go high or low on this guy? Um, I'll go. Uh, I'll go high. Okay. Um, I think uh, best case scenario, he becomes 2021 CD Lamb. Like I think he's got a lot of those kind of. I think he's got a lot of those kind of traits. Where I mean, what I what I mean is maybe you know not necessarily an All Pro guy. I don't think CD Lamb necessarily had like an All Pro kind of season, but he had a good solid thousand yard season. Made some nice plays. Um, 
made some really nice plays out of the slot. I think Jalen Tolbert is going to actually be, be in the slot. I think he's going to be most successful in the slot. I think there's some things he can really do where he can do some damage, and he presents a um, nice target, and he's really good at, at finding um, spaces between zones, and he's also a physical player, doesn't mind going over the middle. So I think I think he could be a pretty dangerous slot receiver. Um, and I think so. I think that his basic case scenario is, is you know, sort of 1,000-yard guy, 70 catches, so, you know, big, big player to every game. Yeah, I um. So, I mean, he, he's my favorite pick from this draft, or uh, with the exception of Damone Clark, who's you know the injury. But uh, I when I first started looking at, I was expecting Michael Gallup to be on his way, and when I started looking at wide receivers, I immediately went into a section where I was finding guys for more of a Gallup type replacement, and and mm-hmm. the guys I found, I mean, Tolbert was one, Alec Pierce was another. Um, and, and so I mean I I I like Tolbert from the get go, uh, so I def, to me I'm in my mind I'm I'm thinking this could be a Michael Gallup 2.0, um, but you know not all not all picks work out and and you know they're not going to land a Gallup every, you know again just just like they they did last time so this time around I mean you never know he has some co- problems with drops, uh, you could yep. you could find yourself to where he's not somebody that likes you know you. You drop a couple here and there, and all the next thing you know is, you know, Dak's throwing more to, you know, Fihoko or somebody or, you know. So I think that the the worst case could actually end up being one of those receivers that really just never pan out. And uh, I don't expect that. I'm certainly, uh, you know, I'm high on this guy. But, you know, that's, that's what you get when you get like, you know, 15, 18 receivers drafted in the first 100 picks or whatever. Maybe not that many, but a lot. There's a lot of them that just you just don't ever hear from that don't do anything. So certainly, yeah. certainly, you know, that's always a possibility. So, I, especially given the the, the, uh, the expected jump up in level of competition, I think that that that's one thing that's going to be that's his particular challenge to navigate. You know, that's that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. There, he he very rarely played. Uh, in fact, never played this level of this caliber of corner week in and week out. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch gears for the day, the day three guys. Since we're running out of time, I wanted to just let's just go through here and I'll, tell me what do you what do you what do you think is going to happen uh, year one for these guys? Where where do you think? Like, let's start with uh, tight end Jake Ferguson. What or, or you can even just quick just give a quick little. No, I think that's good. Yeah, just a quick little phrase. Uh, Jake Ferguson, year one, um, tight end three. Tight end three. Yep, that's I think that's very good because I think. You know, McEwen's their blocker. They got Schultz in there. I would like to see him work work himself in more, so they don't. I don't want to wait to to for him for year three to see what we have in, in this guy, um, like they like what happened with Schultz. But yeah, I totally agree. Moving on to, uh, but, but he's on he's on the same developmental arc, so I think we I think we should expect that. Really, frankly. Well, you know what? If if that's the case, then this could be a big year for uh, Sean McEwen. Cause yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. It's his Dalton Schultz breakout year this year. So, all right, uh, offensive tackle Matt. Well, let's go. What do you think? Um, I think I think uh, he should be happy to make the roster. Happy to make the roster. I mean, I mean, he, I think he'll make the roster, but like, I don't. I, I wouldn't expect him to, to play any any meaningful snaps unless something goes horribly awry this year. He's, he's he needs to develop in the weight room. He needs at least a year in the weight room, if not two. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I would hope that, I mean, fifth round still, I mean, it's not premium draft talk, but it's it's guys that you would hope to at least see for a year. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he does. I mean, you know, 
there's always a surprise tackle that ends up making the, the roster that you don't see coming and you know, don't know who you know. Right now, Velasco, he's the guy. So that that they drafted, so yep. he's the he's the name. Yeah. But you never know who might actually emerge. So, all right, moving on. So, so, so actually, yeah, I was going to say, let's move on, and, and and I'd love to hear what you think about um, the guy who's my favorite pick in this year's draft, which is our, our friend Damon Clark, the linebacker from LSU. Uh, Clark. So I love Clark. I mean, he was when when I first saw him, it was just like all over the place. Uh, he's got great length, and he's just uh, just I mean, it almost looked kind of like a Venus flytrap out there. He's got, he got, you know, he'll just, he'll run you down and he'll grab you and um, just super impressed with him. Obviously, um, you know, the injury is going to, you know, we, that's, we won't, as far as year one, we won't, it won't be much, but definitely has the upside to, to being a, a, a key player for us, a starting linebacker. Um, and, you know, who knows with, with Jabril Cox, who, which one of those LSU guys are going to, um, emerge as you know the better player the both are really good players and uh i know he he does he does bite a little bit so there's some development things uh it, it's unfortunate that we are not going to be able to see him and uh, so year two will be his year one as far as developing so th- even then will probably be some growing pains but um yeah i mean i think i think a future starter is what i expect out of clark i'd be disappointed otherwise yeah, I think for this year, I, I, my hope for him is that is that he gets to see some snaps in December. Yeah, that that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. Uh, and then, uh, how about our uh, how about uh, Ridgeway, our big defensive tackle? So uh, first off, let's back up a bit because we have uh, we missed one. Um, the one uh, our other first. Oh, round. oh yeah, yeah, uh, Duran Duran Bland. Yeah, um, our cornerback from Fresno State. Yeah. Uh, I uh, so you know you, you, I, I've told you this before. It's like I, I I studied Bland when I was trying to figure out who the Cowboys might draft, and to, you know when, uh, trying to understand traits and everything. What I really like about him, and in, in, even the like Nashawn Wright was a, a, a Oregon State Beaver, and I just completely hated that pick um, because he's slow. Um, you know, there's he, but that's not the case with with Bland. And I I like having a guy who is long and and fast. I mean, I think that you can close and you can actually catch up to the ball and and, and do something versus you know the the slower recovery of of say of of right. So, I mean, I like the traits. I don't really know what to expect. Um, year one, I I would say. Well, what about you? What's your thoughts on him? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I, I want him to be. I, my fervent hope for him in year one is that he, he works his way into um, playing special teams on at least three units. Yeah, just I, I'm almost wondering. I, I really thought I was hoping that the Cowboys would draft a corner early enough to to be someone they like to where they can say, you know what, we can get rid of like Jordan Lewis or something, and it'd be one mm-hmm. of those cap, you know, because you know, like you don't need Anthony Brown to play on the outside where you can he can be your slot. And then, you know, that's assuming like, you know, Kelvin Joseph was playing, but then, then this other guy that I'm talking about would now be our safety net type. Now I don't know if we can get that from bland. That might be wishful thinking for, you know, uh, but certainly it could be a possibility if, if he um, starts to show, show progress. Uh, but going back to John Ridgeway, um, uh, to me, I don't have expectations of him. Uh, I don't know. 
what to think. He's, I think he'll be fighting for a job. Um, the Cowboys, to, to, to his credit, his advantage is they don't have a lot of people in there that are a lot of competition for him. And you got a uh, second year, uh, you know, Quentin Bahana and, uh, and they did resign Carlos Watkins there. So they, that's it for their, their big bodies. Uh, you, what's your, what's your take on a Ridgeway? It seems, I mean, it seems pretty clear that given the, the expended draft capital on two different in two consecutive years that they want somebody at that position, they're going to keep, they're going to keep drafting someone until they, they, they hit it. Right. And, uh, so they're going to give him every opportunity to make the team and they want to draft that person because they, that person's going to play like that. He's that person's going to be part of the rotation. So I guess the question becomes, is he going to be better than Bohana? And I think he probably will be. I think he, I think he's got a better anchor. I think he's, um, I, he's like trash can full of dirt. That kid, man, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be interesting. Um, so, so my, so my hope is that he, uh, he becomes part of the defensive tackle rotation becomes that one tech that plays in running downs and gets off the field when it's time to go to the NASCAR package or, or even when they decide to put in two, three techs instead of, instead of having a one tech. Um, and so my hope is, uh, that he, he, he averages, let's say 12 snaps a game over the course of the year. Hmm. Okay. That's fair. It would it'd be great if we, I mean, I know the Cowboys don't spend resources, but it would be so, so nice if they end up having get themselves you know, a good nose that they can, uh, they can rely on. And just that, uh, you know, maybe they would have had that in urban if, uh, you know, if he would have stayed healthy, but uh, yeah, so not sure. So anyway, the la- wrapping it up, last one, pick number 195, uh, Devin Harper, linebacker. What's, uh, where, what's he going to do next year? This, this time I, of year? I think, I think he's going to become a, um, if not a core special teamer, a, a pretty significant special teamer. If he makes a team at all, it'll be any, he'll probably make the team it'll be as a special teamer and i think that um they're going to give him every opportunity to work himself into the situation where he's at least on three of those units in special teams yeah no i i, I think that's that's all we can expect to be honest and uh i, I would be shocked if, if he sees any any defensive snaps in a game that's closer than three touchdowns yeah yeah so well that is, uh, I mean, there's some good possibilities there. And, I mean, definitely you, I mean, the Cowboys, they, they drafted for trades. They, they, there are certain things they look for that definitely got some good ceiling with this class. Uh, it alarms me that there's probably a lower floor, at least that's in my gut feeling, you know, than maybe some other people. So it, 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 this could be one of those drafts that, I mean, the, the range of outcomes pretty, pretty high. So. Yeah, I guess we'll have to just wait and find out. Speaking of waiting and find out, Rabs, what do we have going on next week? Uh, well, next week we're going to continue to, um, you know, dissect the draft, but we'll also begin to look forward to, um, you know, the sort of off-season uh, program, etc. We'll, we'll be, you know, talking about. Um, you know, rookie mini camps and, and, and the, the other things that are on the horizon. So uh, we're in that kind of transition period now, and um, we'll be navigating that expertly. And uh, we look forward to having everybody there. Yes, it is. You're right. It's the transition period. And so, you know, just hang with us, bear with us. Let's get through this together, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there will be good times to be had. But that is our, no question. That is our show for today. 
If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating. Write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, what was your favorite draft pick, or are you Team Depp or are you Team Herd? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Man. I'm 24 and Rads is at Rebel Rouser, R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez. And Sunday we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Class dismissed.